Next on BYU Sports Nation, the toughest game on the BYU football schedule in 2019. Is it Utah? What would a step forward this season be for the BYU football program? We define it. Plus, replacing the disruption of two BYU football defensive stars. Who fills the stat void left by Sione Takitaki and Corbin Kafusi? Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now, from Studio B... Here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Thursday, May 2nd, wherever and however you have chosen to connect. Wonderful to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with UMass football Hall of Fame expert, Jerem Jordan. Yeah, yesterday UMass was like left off that East Coast conversation, but it's assumed as a win. But yeah, four East Coast uh, games next. I guess Eastern time zone. They're not necessarily East Coast. Eastern time zone games. That's a lot. Respect for UMass football, please. No, you're right. We don't, we don't care. Now, I did but they say did come in here and win two years ago. I did say yesterday that Andy Isabella and this was on a whim, is the greatest player to ever come out of UMass. I cringed listening to it. I was like, hey, Victor Cruz, man. But where was Victor Cruz drafted? Was he drafted? I don't know. I don't really care. He was a great NFL player for a while there. Who's to say Andy Isabella won't be a great player? Well, he hasn't yet. I know. He's not the greatest. But he's the highest (laughs) draft pick, right? At least at a skill position. So anyway. Victor Cruz was awesome, man. No question. He could dance as well. Especially on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> yeah. I know how apparently. you love that program. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Here's today's show lineup. We are dancing into an interview with David Nixon in about 15 minutes, who he thinks can help replace BYU's NFL-bound defensive studs and their stats. Between the Lines plays softball, golf, or something like that. I don't know. And new 100-meter dash record holder, Jaslyn Gardner of Track and Field. Now for today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Former BYU wide receiver Dylan Colley has received a minicamp invite from the black and gold of the New Orleans Saints. The this BYU, is the New Orleans Saints nation show? The BYU takeover continues in the Big Easy. Colley averaged 11.5 yards per catch with three touchdowns in his senior season, saved his best for last with a breakout bowl game performance. The source on this has been critical. So, there you go. Men's golf team received an at-large bid to the NCAA Championships. Congrats. They are a sixth seed in the Pullman Regional, May 13th through the 15th. BYU baseball opens a three-game series against Loyola Marymount. One versus two matchup. BYU on top against second place LMU. The Batcats currently 25th by the Baseball America and the NCBWA. Tonight's game can be heard on BYU Radio at 9 p.m. Eastern. And softball. What happened? Oh. Lost to Utah last night, 11-2. Low-lighted by six errors. That's what happened in seven innings. Emily Erickson led the team with two hits and an RBI. Cougars jump back into West Coast Conference play at St. Mary's this weekend. Take consolation in the fact that BYU will probably be playing in the NCAA tournament and Utah will not. I will later, but last night happened. Come on! It hurts. It hurts for sure. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Life 101. Progress, improvement, better, more, stronger, greater. We all want it, as does BYU football. Jerem, how would you define a step forward, progress, improvement this year for BYU football? Naturally, one more win than last year. That would be a step forward, uh, to use the phrase. 
I think beating rivals really matters yes. in this conversation. Let's talk about it. Obviously, we always address Utah. We always lost eight in a row. But it's bigger than that. In the Satake era, the last three years, BYU was 1-8 and eight versus Utah, Boise State, and Utah State. The one win was That's against Utah State. In 2016. That's... And it's been a couple of years. That's really bad. That was a losing record Aggies team. That's a that's really bad. One and eight against those three? Come on. It's on the pillars, right? Beat the rivals. Yes, beat the rivals. So I, I think, obviously, winning one more game than last year, total, so eight wins, including a bowl win, assuming you get there, right, of course, uh, would be nice. But I think beating the rivals plays into that. If, if you can take at least one, which BYU has only done that once in three seasons, if you can get two this year, Boise State's at home, at Utah State, of course, Utah to open things up. Now you're talking. Now you get to eight if you can take two of three. I don't think BYU gets three of three, but if they can take two of three, I think that's certainly a great step in the right direction and helps the whole tide rise. And how do you measure progress when on paper it looks like the schedule is tougher this year than it was last year? So I'm going to go with seven regular season wins. BYU won six in the regular season last year, even though the schedule on paper looks tougher. Get the seven regular season season wins, and we'll see what happens with the bowl game matchup and who's there and right. all that. It's hard to judge that when you don't know the opponent. But seven and five for me going into the bowl game, regardless of that result, because we don't know the opponent, would equal progress. And I'm with you. Just one win against a rival. And all three are expected to be good again this year. BYU will be a dog against all three. Yeah, Utah, Boise State, and Utah State. BYU has two of the three at home, and then the Aggies in Logan. And BYU's lost two in a row to Utah State. Three of the last five. This is crazy. One and eight. The one win coming against a losing record Utah State team in 2016. It's time that BYU beats one of their regional rivals. So, yeah, seven regular season wins, including at least one against a rival, to me, equals a step in the right direction. I feel like that's one of the defining characteristics of the Satake era so far is, one, haven't beat Utah, two, one and eight versus the rivals. I think that's something that Kalani Satake and company need to overcome. You don't want, you don't want to go out with that uh, on your resume, right? And, and I think that that can quickly change. Like, if BYU beats Utah in the first game, it quickly changes. The tenor, the attitude, the optimism, that can quickly change. So what you need to do is on August 29th, be ready to go, win that game, and now you feel different. Now you kind of forget about 1-8. and eight. It gets dusted. You snap your fingers, peace out on that, and you move <laughs> on, right? And you look forward to other tough games, and you, but you got to beat those teams. If you're not good against the rivals, a lot of what else you do is forgotten. Yeah, can we get Thanos to come in here and snap his fingers so that those things go away? Can Zach Wilson just do it against Utah? That would be nice. All right. Stuart Mandel of The Athletic posted his post-spring top 25. In it, he includes BYU opponents Washington at number 17 and Utah at number 12. Whoa! Number 12? Spencer, is Utah the toughest game on the schedule this season? Yes, Jerem, because of the emotional buildup. Not just because Stuart Mandel has them number 12. The emotional buildup and overcoming that mental barrier of having lost eight games in a row, and then the unknown of game number one and what Utah brings back. Tyler Huntley's their quarterback is back, but what's he going to be like? Is he going to be 100%? They bring back Zach Moss, who might be the best running back in all of the Pac-12. I think that the Utah game is the toughest game because of the emotion and the unknown that goes into it after a long offseason and because BYU was up 20 in the third quarter in Salt Lake City 
and let that one get away. There's just so much pain and hurt there and raw emotion that to me this is the toughest game all things constituted. I don't I don't know that Utah is the best team on BYU's schedule, but this is the toughest game overall and emotion definitely plays into that. I think it's Utah. What do you think? Probably Utah. I'll argue Washington um, just to get another angle here. Four power fives in a row. You're going to be toast by that fourth one. I mean, physically exhausted from emotionally and physically spending all that energy on Utah. Oh, by the way, at Tennessee, who returns 10 offensive starters. USC, ho-hum in Provo. Crazy talented. Even when they go five and seven, they have four draft picks. And then Washington comes in, which you could argue is the best team. Although Washington had the third most NFL draft picks of eight gone, including uh, Jake Browning as a free agent, Miles Gaskins, and so on, a bunch of talent on and the And Utah defense. had five. Yeah. So Washington in the fourth game, BYU's played four power fives in a row recently, 2016, went one and three with a senior Taysom Hill and a senior Jamal Williams. Like, it is really hard. I think no matter who the power five team would be that's either mediocre up, right, in that fourth game would probably mean that that game is more than likely a loss just because of where it sits. Four power fives in a row is going to be really hard. And if it's Washington, oh, man, this team handled BYU last year. They do lose a lot of guys, but I think it's going to be tough just because of where it sits. Um, but I, I feel you on Utah, that first game. There's a lot that's going into that. And what if BYU loses? How does that affect them the rest of the season? I think BYU has a lot of chips in on, hey, we're going to beat Utah, and then we're going to go from there. And, of course, that's how you should do it. But I feel like, hey, can we acknowledge that Tennessee is right behind them and then USC and then Washington? If you're all in on one opponent and then it doesn't go well, that's not good. But if, it, if you win, then, okay, now you're going. But did you spend all your emotional energy in on that one game? Yeah, that's why Tennessee, to me, is the scariest game of the first four because how much will BYU have left in the tank? And the leader in the clubhouse of the unknown variables is the fact that BYU has three of these four at home. This has never happened before. But BYU, BYU's under Kalani Satake, hasn't been good at home. And that's not against a bunch of Power Fives. Last year, BYU had one Power Five at home. And we're so, what, three yeah. and three? Yeah, the, the unknown variable of that really is intriguing. What, what can Lavelle Edwards Stadium do to help BYU? Because in the recent past, it hasn't been good. So. I know Lisa Wilson's hoping it's better. Right? Yes. No question. We all are. Like, BYU needs to beat rivals, defend home field. I'm not talking about dominating. I'm talking about just being mediocre. Like, just being 500 or better, right? Yeah. Um, and, and at home, you got to go at least four and two. Against your rivals, you got to take two out of three kind of every other year. This one and three, oh and three thing is not okay. Yeah. What's the most winnable of the first four games? Is it USC? Is yeah, it like USC? If we sit here and say USC, like we're, yeah, it's, one of them's more winnable than the other. But BYU will be an underdog in like six or seven of the first eight games. That is really hard. For what it's worth, we both think Utah is the toughest game on the schedule because of all of the mitigating factors and the emotion and build up and eight losses in a row. I'm not sure. It's Utah or Washington. And now Stuart Mandel has the Utes at number 12 in his post-spring top 25. What are they going to be ranked when they take on BYU in how many days? The countdown to the Utes. 119. 119 days. We're climbing up on double digits. Yeah, we're not there yet, though. 
Getting closer. We still have about three weeks. Getting closer. All right, another huge void and question mark for BYU is who will fill the stat void against the Utes and Volunteers and Trojans and Huskies, among all of the other opponents on the BYU football schedule. For the BYU defense, that is left by Sione Takitaki and Corbin Kafusi, a couple of guys that are headed to the NFL. And before we answer that question, Jerem, let's discuss what kind of void that is with our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Takitaki and Kafusi accounted for 46% of BYU's quarterback sacks last season. 32.5% of BYU's tackles for loss. So, Jerem, who's going to step up and fill the void left by future NFL guys, Sione Takitaki and Corbin Kafusi? First off, let's rewind back to the year 2006. It's December. BYU loses John Beck, Curtis Brown, and Johnny Harleen. We the could big have, three. We could have asked the same question and been like, oh, what? BYU's offense is going to stink. Little did we know, in would come the winningest quarterback in BYU history, Max Hall, the all-time leading rusher, Harvey Unga, the next guy in line, and the NCAA career leader in receptions, it hurts me to say it, Dennis Pitta. Those three were sitting there behind them. Just because we don't know who will do it doesn't mean that it won't happen or they won't even be better. Oh, and Austin Colley was back from his mission. Yeah, and Austin Colley, he was decent in my opinion, the greatest receiver in BYU history. <laughs> okay, um, Kairos Tonga can do more. Okay, In his junior season, uh, he sophomore season last year, going to be a junior, four and a half tackles for last, fourth most on the team. Perhaps he adds a few more there. Okay, Isaiah Kafusi was third on the team with six. Um, so I think he could, he could step up there. Other guys that will be in the mix. Lorenzo Falateo, we hear good things about him. Devin Kafusi, there's still a Kafusi. Can Chaz Ayu as a... Outside linebacker, albeit a backup, get in the backfield a little bit more. BYU was 71st in sacks per game at 2.08, 57th percentile. So not terrible, kind of uh, middle of the pack there, but certainly BYU can do more. And those two were good players. But like my 0607 example, it doesn't mean that BYU can't be better at that. We just don't know it yet right now. Yeah, I don't have as much of a question about who's going to step in at linebacker and feel the production of Taki Taki because I think BYU has some capable guys. Zane Anderson and Isaiah Kafusi are both proven and both good players and know how to go after it and, and get it done. So I, I think that the production of the linebacker is okay. The biggest question for me is, what do you do on the line when you lose a freak like Corbin Kafusi? And maybe it is Kyrus, but Kyrus plays in a different position, and Kyrus is a block eater. Yeah. So he opens up, is yeah. my thing there. So he opens up things for other guys. So, yeah, is it another Kafusi? Is it Devin that steps up? And I like Lorenzo Falatea. I think the coaches are really high on him. Elisa Tuiaki just a few uh, weeks ago was really high on what uh, Lorenzo could potentially do. So What's his, name? his name's Lorenzo. That's awesome. <laughs> it's meant it's to be at BYU. He's named Lorenzo it's meant to be. in 2019. It's the great. guy who I really want to see step up and and be the ball hawk that I know he is is Diane Gawoluku. And I know he doesn't play linebacker or defensive line, but can he be a guy that just creates turnovers, just spur some type of uh, emotional uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? He The emotion of a turnover is incredible, right? Yeah, and he was dynamic in punt return, sorry, punt kick. And punt kick coverage. Punt, but punt coverage. Yeah, yeah BYU had to drop off in interceptions, and uh, I'd like to see that return. So, again, he's not on the line or the linebacker, so that doesn't necessarily play into it directly, but I think he's a ball hawk. And I think yeah, he sacks and tackles for loss is the question. Right? He, he can change things. But Zane and Isaiah, I really like what BYU has at linebacker coming back. 
Who's going to be the guy that steps up on the line? Yeah, I don't see Zane rushing the quarterback a ton, honestly. He is great in pass coverage. He had a crucial game-swinging tight end against, or uh, interception on a tight end against Wisconsin. He's a former safety. I don't see them blitzing him a ton, so it's got to be an Isaiah Kapusi type. But that defensive line needs more sacks. We've not seen the, the Kalani Satake at Utah version quite yet. Quite yet, right? There have been a few individual players. We need to see more sacks, more more quarterback pressure. You're playing four power fives. You know what can blow up a game? Pressure in the backfield. Yeah, and, and we just want disruption, right? And I think that's where yes. I was going. Yes. Disruption in any form, sure. whether it's turnovers, sure. sacks, tackles for loss. Yeah, that's has been why. decent. Right. 2016 BYU was excellent, but... You had uh, Harvey Longy and Sai Tautu and Kainakua, and that was... Yeah, that was multiple NFL those, guys. Those were really good players. For sure. That's why I throw Diane in there. Is I just want greater disruption. Who, who can do that? Who I want chaos. Yes, chaos is I don't great. want chaos in my life, but on the BYU defense, I want them to do that. All right. Speaking of BYU football and the defense and the whole team in general, what is the toughest game for the 2019 version of the Cougars and their football schedule and why? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. First response in from at CougarFan on Twitter. The emotional toll losing to your rival seven years in a row, eight times overall. Yeah, it's eight. Well, it's eight times in a row, but there was a break, right? In nine years. It's eight in nine Eight in nine years, yeah. yeah. But is by itself enough to make the Utah game the toughest. Got to find a way to beat the Utes. Yep, do it. Do it. Continue to weigh in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Coming up, the hidden talents of the BYU softball team in a fresh between the lines. But first, it's been a while. David Nixon joins us on the program. How does he think BYU football will replace that stat production and defensive chaos? This is BYU Sports Nation. Who's the next David Nixon? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tonight, ace Jordan Wood and the BYU baseball team who sit atop the West Coast Conference play at third place LMU. Listen to it on BYU Radio or the app at 9 Eastern time. Live from Studio B, your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play continues. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. And joining us now as the third member of BYU Sports Nation for the moment on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline is David Nixon. David, it's been way too long. How are you? Hey, what's going on, fellas? How's the transition from two to three children in the Nixon household? Uh, the the transition from man to man to zone has been real, <laughs> uh, and it's it's taking some adjustments. Uh, doing some, I, mean, I, I got some good mid game adjustments, but uh, it's you know we're we're transitioning, so we'll be good. We'll be good. Jess is quick, luckily she can she can move around, right? Yeah, she's got great uh, mobility um, and high and motor. She's able to, yeah, high motor, just a just a great player all around. So, yeah, <laughs> my, my wife is my wife is a great in game manager as well. Hey, uh, I just want to mention too, she can eat here whenever she wants, David. <laughs> Always. Always. <laughs> David Nixon with us on BYU Sports Nation. Hey, it wasn't too long ago you were uh, going through the type of scenario that Sione Takitaki and more like more close to what Corbin Kafusi did uh, with the NFL draft as an undrafted free agent. But if we didn't have games on the mountain, David would have been drafted. True. Let's just get that out it's there. It's right true. Now. Thank okay. you, Jeremy. It's true. The pain is real. Uh, let's talk about the guys that are headed to the NFL first with Sione Takitaki, 80th pick overall in the third round. What was your reaction seeing him go to Cleveland and that early? Oh man, I was obviously uh, stoked, but he's a prime example of what you know postseason can do for you. This is Sione, who I think probably right after the season ended, he was probably a late rounder, fifth, sixth, seventh type round guy. 
but then you have those opportunities to go improve your stock. You play in the all-star games, you go to the combine, um, and you show well, and, and you get on these guys' draft boards, and, and you get bumped up pretty quickly. And, and that's it. He did a fantastic job at the Senior Bowl um, in the East-West, and, and I think he showed out, and, and scouts and coaches recognize that. And, you know, he did what he was supposed to do, and he got rewarded. I think that's the great thing about that whole NFL draft is, is if you go out there and prove your value, um, you'll, you'll know, so you get bumped up the draft board, and, and Sione did just that. So I'm stoked for Sione. I mean, when you get drafted in the first, second, or third round, that pretty much guarantees you a roster spot come, come you know, season time. I think fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and on, uh, it's, it's a little shaky. I think fourth is that, that area that you could or could not be on a roster, but fifth, sixth, seventh, you're not guaranteed a roster spot. Um, but Sione, the third round, you'll see him on a roster, you know, see him contributing. I don't know if he starts next year, per se, for the Browns, um, but he'll, he'll he'll be in there and contributing. Uh, but when you take somebody third round, the type of money you're giving those guys, you're expecting to come in and contribute. Um, so the, the question will be how fast can Sione uh, get a cop to speed with the Browns defense um, and, and how fast can he go out there and prove his value to, to that team and, and become a uh, contributor. David, when I first saw the Browns, I was like, oh, no. But this is kind of a new-look Browns. They're kind of on the up-and-up, right, 7-8-1. and one. They, They've improved. You played for four different teams. Culture and the way the organization works, that all matters, right? And you played for the Raiders, and at times it was, it was pretty wild, right? So how do you think Sione fits with the Browns? I think it's a great fit. I mean, you probably, everyone probably already saw the video of uh, Dorsey, their GM, talking to, to Sione and telling him how stoked he was. Um, and I think that the, the, the management, the front office, and the coaching staff behind him, um, and I think he'll fit into that system well. I mean, you, you look at the quarterback, and you look at the dynamic of the team, and you've got a lot of guys that are, are kind of big-time names now, which usually is not synonymous with Cleveland Browns. Um, but I think the, the tide's changing over there. And it's, for me, I, I think it's an exciting time for Sione to kind of join this, this Cleveland team that's been just so abysmal for years past um, and have an opportunity to be part of this wave that – Maybe transitions the Cleveland Browns from being, you know, losers to uh, contenders. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. So um, it's, it's got to be exciting because once again, for the Cleveland Browns, you can only go up, really. You would think. And I wonder how uh, the Hollywood general manager of the Cleveland Browns, Kevin Costner, feels about all of this. <laughs> I bet she's just as ecstatic, for sure. <laughs> Did anyone go to Taki Taki's birthday party, you know? Yeah. Break- yeah. Or Moneyball? Oh, he has an ugly girlfriend. That means his confidence is low. <laughs> Siona's wife is pretty. That means he's a oh, very no, confident confidence guy. Confidence is high for yeah, Siona. Exactly. David Nixon with us on BYU Sports Nation. What is it about BYU linebackers making it in the NFL? Because the list now grows. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Calvin Noyes excelled. Um, and the, the past kind of speaks for itself. You know, I think that's what I do with, with BYU doing a great job, especially during the Bronco Hall area, and of course, Kalani Sataki now uh, with, with Eliza Tuiaki, do a great job of showcasing the linebackers. Uh, it's just been interesting. BYU's always been able to recruit uh, linebackers and, then, and really develop them here um, and showcase them. I mean, once again, you look back in, at Calvin Noy's days, whenever Bronco was kind of able to move him around uh, and, and make him kind of a showpiece. And the same thing happened with Sione last year. You saw Sione go from defensive end to outside linebacker to inside linebacker um, and became really a versatile player, which I think improved his draft stock, obviously. Uh, but, I, you know, Liza Tuiaki and Sione or er, Toshitake er, uh, were able to uh, really move Sione around um, and, and use him as that piece and, and allow him to get creative with blitzes and, and different looks. And so um, I think it's just BYU's open-mindedness to move guys around and, and try to create uh, situations where their best players can excel in the football field. Um, and I think that's why you've seen a lot of linebackers come out 
as of recently is because uh, BYU, I think, is more open-minded in that sense and, and trying to develop those particular players. What do you think of all three of those guys you mentioned, Van Noy and Taki Taki and Warner? All are middle linebackers in the NFL. I, if you would have told me a few years ago that this would be the case, I, w- I would be surprised right now. It's pretty amazing. I mean, it goes to show you as well how the NFL game is changing and evolving. Uh, it's, a, it's all about speed now. and It's all about getting guys that can run sideline to sideline and track down the quick running backs. It's just not the day of the bruisers anymore with the, the huge running backs, um, the, the, the drone, the bus. Bad at those type of guys. It's you, you got much quicker guys like Alvin Kamara type guys that are coming out of the backfield, and you've got to have backers that can keep up with them. And, and you're going to have mismatches. I mean, that's what smart offensive staffs do is they try to get their slower middle linebackers on these quicker uh, running backs. And so that's why you're seeing middle linebackers like a Fred Warner, a little lighter than typical, but the kid can move and he can cover. And so, I mean, it's, a, it's becoming a passing league, it's becoming a track meet type league, um, and you've got to match that on the defense side of the ball. At the same time, you know, these guys, they got to be prepared to be able to plug holes because they're still running. You know, there's still teams that are going to run the ball and try to cram it down your throat. So you've got to be prepared to fill holes. And uh, like we always say, bring your big boy pads. So it's fun to watch these guys move around. And, and once again, the good thing about them is they've had experience on the outside um, to where any, any three of those guys can move to the outside if needed. Um, they can kind of move around and, and be a nice tool in those defense coordinators' hands. It would seem, yes, that Sione has a firm roster spot in Cleveland because they took him so high. But then there's a guy like Corbin Kafusi, who thought he was going to go to Green Bay in the sixth or seventh round, and they told him as much on the phone. Hey, we're going to take you in the sixth round. Didn't happen. Okay, we're going to take you in the seventh round. Didn't happen. They obviously wanted him as free agent, but then in comes New Orleans, and now he joins your brother-in-law, Taysom Hill, in the Big Easy. So what are your expectations for Corbin Kafusi to make a roster or maybe a practice squad down in New Orleans? Oh, man, I heard that story come out, and it brought back terrible memories for me as well. So (laughs) this is what happens in the NFL draft. And a lot of times, you know, kids coming out of college don't understand this concept. But uh, I started getting calls in the fourth round from the Rams saying, hey, we're taking our next pick. And the next pick would roll around, and they'd take somebody else. And they'd immediately call me and say, the linebacker coach would immediately call me and say, hey, sorry we didn't take you. We had had to need a corner, and this guy was still on the board, and we had to take him. But we're taking you next round. And then sure enough, the fifth round would come around, and they, they take somebody else, and they call me and say, sorry, you know, I promise you you're our next pick. And they did this for all the rounds. I had the Raiders, the Rams, and the Texans, who coincidentally were the three teams I played for. Um, all of them were doing this the entire time. And so each time their pick came up, I'd be excited, and all of a sudden they pick somebody else. We'll come to find out, uh, I think they were interested, but at the same time, a lot of teams start doing that because when you become a free agent at the end of the draft, if you're not drafted, then the power shifts into your hands, and you get to pick where you want to go. And so – by calling you early in the fourth, fifth round, sixth round, like it sounded like Green Bay was doing to Corbin, they're trying to kind of court him and try to try to let him know they love him and, and they want him to sign with them as a free agent. Um, and it's a tough situation, but I think ultimately uh, for me, and, and it sounds like for Corbin, at the end of the draft, you get together with your agent, you look over the teams that have kind of placed offers on the table for you, and you figure out which one's the best fit for you, which one has the youngest, you know, in Corbin's case, which one has the youngest defensive ends, which guys are, are up for contract and maybe free agents. Um, you know, and, and yeah, a whole slew of, of uh, decisions come into mind. What type of defense it is? Do I fit well here or there? And that's what happened with me. And ultimately, I picked Oakland, and obviously Corbin uh, picked uh, picked the Saints. And so I'm excited for him. I mean, all you can ask for as a free agent is a shot, um, and you go in there and grind. And there's plenty of guys out there, including myself, that are free agents that go make rosters, and uh, you can make a nice little career out of it. But uh, it's definitely an uphill battle if you're if you're a drafted kid. You're always going to get the first initial look, and, and they're always 
they're always going to defer to their draft picks because, frankly, GMs, this is their job. Their job is to go make seven draft picks call a year, uh, and they want to, they're, they're going to give their draft picks the opportunity because they don't want to look dumb. They don't want, they don't want to go show that I, I picked ten free agents and uh, five of them beat out my draft picks because it makes them look like they don't know what they're doing. So it's an uphill battle, but, um, you know, Corbin has kind of fought that his whole life with injuries, et cetera, here at BYU. And so I've got confidence in him. I'm excited for him. He joined uh, – Join Taysom and a few other local kids down there, and uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see how he battles it out. Absolutely. Let's finish with this. We we talked about this based on Stuart Mandel of the Athletic putting Utah at number twelve in his post spring top twenty five. Washington at seventeen. Those are the two BYU opponents. David, is Utah the toughest game on BYU's football schedule this year? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> I know. I know BYU fans don't like to hear that, but. Uh, I, I think all BYU fans were crossing their fingers that at the end of the season you had underclass, well, you had juniors like Bradley and I and, and uh, Zach Moss and Lucky Fochu, some of those guys who are just great players. I think everyone's fingers crossed they would move on to the league and declare early, but they decided to come back. And so I think with, with the addition of them and, then of course, Hunley at quarterback with his experience and now Shelley has some, some experience underneath his belt. Um, yeah, it's going to be a, a very tough game, uh, but – at least BYU has them at home, so they have that edge. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, how BYU rolls out and, and what, you know, what type of uh, game plan they have and what they, you know, with it being the first game of the year, kind of a crapshoot. Nobody knows quite what they're going to get. And so hopefully Kalani and, and crew are crafting up some uh, some creative game plans and, and getting ready for them. But it, uh, it'll be a fun game, that first game. But, yes, I think the youths definitely are probably the hardest I, well, I'd say definitely the hardest team on the schedule this year. Yeah, and, and hopefully BYU's guys that are coming off of injuries, Ain Anderson and Isaiah Kafusi, can step up and uh, offset what Utah brings to the table. 100%. Uh, you're going to have to have contributions for them. Chaz Zayu back from his mission. Um, Trajan Peely. I think Kyrus Tonga has got to step up and be the guy. Uh, I mean, I mean, he's done great, but I think he's got to be even more dominant than he has been. Uh, but you're right. I think Isaiah Kafusi has got to fill in kind of that Sione Takitaki role and be ready to be the guy, kind of be show showcased and, and be the guy that can move around and, and disrupt that offense and, and be that playmaker. So well, the guys will have to step up and, and it's going to come early. There's no warm up game this year. It's going to be right to the fire and uh, they'll have to produce. So we'll see how it goes. Great stuff, David. And uh, congratulations again on birth of uh, your daughter, three kids. Uh, let's give you some BYU sports nation karma to survive that madness. <laughs> much, much needed and much uh, very grateful. Thank you. You got it. David Nixon on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your okay, financial future. That. Love it. A lot to break down with David always. Coming up, break a 22-year-old school record, won't you? Transfer or trackster Jaslyn Gardner will join us in studio. But first, we go between the lines of BYU softball. Showing off their golf skills? I'm confused. This is BYU Sports Nation. Hello, my name is Spencer. His name is Jerem. We do a show called BYU Sports Nation. We're coming up on episode 1500. How about that? Welcome back to the aforementioned BYU Sports Nation with another look at today's headlines. Former BYU wide receiver Dylan Colley has received a minicamp invite from the New Orleans Saints. That according to former BYU player Ben Criddle. Colley averaged 11.5 yards per catch, three touchdowns. In his senior season, saved his best for last with that breakout bowl game performance in Boise. 
Men's golf team received an at-large bid to the NCAA championships. Nicely done. They are a sixth seed in the Pullman Regional, May 13th through the 15th. Yes. BYU baseball opens a three-game series against Loyola Marymount tonight. The Batcats currently ranked 25th by Baseball America and the National Collegiate Baseball Writers Association. Who's that, Jaron? The writers. Yes, the writers. Tonight's game can be heard live on BYU Radio, 9 p.m. Eastern. And softball lost to Utah last night, 11-2, six errors in seven innings. Emily Erickson led the team, two hits and an RBI. The Cougars jump back into West Coast Conference play at the Fighting Matthew Delavadovas of St. Mary's this weekend. Don't ever bring that name to Studio B again. Don't we have a gnome? I kid. We have his gnome. gnome. I was like, we have a gnome We have a gnome. We have a gnome yeah. yeah. Hey, Jeremiah, the BYU softball team uh, didn't really show up and play their best game last night. Six errors, 11-2 loss against Utah. They have, since returning home and getting into West Coast Conference play, been overall very impressive. Ten of the last yeah. 12, four of the last five. They're pacing for another conference championship and another NCAA regional. And more sun delays. <laughs> and more sun delays. Love that 30-minute sun delay. Oh, my goodness. 30 minutes last night. But you know what? They're multi-talented, or so we think. How good are the softball players at softball golf? I this didn't is, know that was a thing. I neither did I, but apparently it is, and it's the next adventure for Between the Lines. BYU Sports Nation presents Between the Lines. Hi, I'm Libby Sugg. I'm from Franklin, Tennessee, and I'm a catcher. Hi, I'm Taylor Williams. I'm from Mona, Utah, and I play right field. Hi, I'm Riley Jensen. I'm from Idaho Falls, Idaho, and I play left field. We're from the softball team, and this is Between the Lines. these questions but she's not here right now because she had a baby so we're just gonna do them ourselves okay why don't you do a good one? Oh no which of the three of you has the best bat flip celebration uh that's actually out that's gone oh. see ya wouldn't want to be ya Mm. We'd say Riley. Riley. She's hit the most. <laughs> Libby's hometown is Franklin, Tennessee. In honor of this, give us your best southern oh. accent. <laughs> Howdy, y'all. I'm from Tennessee. <laughs> my name's Libby Suck. <laughs> <laughs> Libby, Libby does this weird cheer. It's like, come on, Niner, hit the liner. <laughs> oh, no, no, do that. Do it. Just do a couple. Yeah. Come on, Ader, hit that tater. <laughs> Come on, two, hit him in the shoe. <laughs> yes. Which of you has the best hidden talent other than softball? Hidden talent. I can crawl through a broom. I don't know if you guys know what you that can, is. You can, huh? Crawl, crawl through. through a broom. That doesn't make sense. I know, but it's pretty cool. Oh, I can juggle. That's the... Oh, yeah. oh, I can juggle, too. So who's the best one? <laughs> okay, ready? Yeah. Go off. <laughs> Which of you three would win in a game of softball golf? Me. Definitely me. Easy money. No, me. No. So the rules of softball golf are easy. Whoever hits the bucket first and the lowest amount of shots wins. Okay. Oh, not a bad shot. Oh, good luck hitting that off the wall. 
Mine did not hit it because that, that was, was like crazy inches. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Closer. It's like we like hit it in the bunker. Yeah. In the sand pit. Nope. She carried it. Boom. I touched oh, it. <laughs> got it. Yes. Nice. Bucket. <laughs> that one went in the hole if there was a hole. Oh, really? Mine would have too, because mine ended up mine right here. Mine would have not, but it doesn't matter because that's not the rule. <laughs> that's all we got for you guys today. Thanks for joining us on Between the Lines, and go Cougs! Come on, number two, hit him in the shoe. D tater? Come on, Ader, hit that tater. Hit the tater. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to uh, the BYU softball oh. team, Taylor Williams, Libby Sugg, and uh, Riley Jensen, reigning West Coast Conference Player of the Week for our Between the Lines segment. Shout out to Lauren, who I'm yeah. sure is watching as uh, we get into the Between the Lines segment. Or not. Take care of your kid, whatever, you know. Like, if that you're watching, too. great. What, hey, you're out. Well, watch out, it at your convenience, yeah. social media, on whatever. On too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Coming up, the Cougars continue to prove they're a Power 5 equivalent athletic department. We'll tell you how. But first, the new 100-meter record holder, Jaslyn Gardner of BYU Woo! Women's Track and Field. Speed. She is speed. This is BYU Sports Nation. Between the Lines is presented by Tim Daly Ford and the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest episode of BYU Sports Nation right now, Kiki Solano uh, starts her own hype video. Plus, it's time to welcome a new member to the BYU baseball team. Check it out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and the YouTube. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation with our question of the day. What is the toughest game on the 2019 BYU football schedule and why? Clearly Idaho State. Kyle, just Kyle on Instagram says... At Kyle. It's just Kyle. That's what's written there. I think one through four all bring their own challenges, but because of the losing streak, I'd say Utah. Yeah, there's certainly an emotional element there, a context that's different than playing Tennessee for the first time, by the way, and then USC for the first time in a while, and then Washington, a team that uh, just pounded BYU last year. Given BYU's recent struggles at home, would you rather BYU be playing three of the four on the road or three of the four at home? At home, no doubt. No hesitation, <laughs> zero hesitation, sir. Always at home. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yes. Let's get the magic back in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Join the conversation 24-7. Schedule weaker opponents if that's what you really want. Social media, hashtag BYUSN. In Studio B is the new 100-meter dash record holder yeah. for BYU women's track and field. The 11th-ranked BYU women's track and field team, no less. Her name is Jaslyn Gardner. Jaslyn, welcome to the show. Jaslyn? Thanks. Did you know in the moment when you crossed the finish line that, okay, that was – that was a sweet race. I was cooking. When did, when did you know? Well, the girl next to me was a pro sprinter, so I was like, wait, did I just beat her? I was kind of confused, but, like, then I came across the line. I was like, that felt faster than usual, so I guess I got to see what this time was because it felt good, so. 11.38 to be yeah. exact. <laughs> Breaks a 22-year-old record. 
um, which is pretty cool. Did you did you know what the record was? Did you know you'd beaten the record in the moment? Yeah, like when I first got here in the summer, I looked at the top ten board and I was like, man, these records are pretty fast, but I think I can get them before I graduate. And I didn't think I was going to get it my freshman year, but it was it was kind of a surprise too. Yeah, a year ago you're at the Robinson in uh, a track, but. In high school, competing in the two A. Now here you are at BYU breaking that record. So, um, have you already had the uh, put your name up on the board ceremony? Yeah, it's in the Smith Field House, right? Yeah, and like the team gathers, it's like a, it's a thing. It's a big yeah. deal, right? <laughs> yeah. What yeah. was it, what was that like to see your name go up there? Um, it felt kind of nice, like. Um, Hold, I, on, hold on, kind of nice. <laughs> number one, you're, you're pretty low key, yeah. yeah, it was okay. Yeah, cool. I'm number one. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah, well, I already kind of knew I was going to get on the board at some point. So, yeah, it was like, I kind of, it was just fun experience, though. So Very so, cool. So you had set this goal, and then and then you got it, and, and then it's like, all right, I move on. That's yeah. what it seems like. Yeah, kind of. And and was it cool to do it at home? Did that did that mean something special to you, to do it on your home track? Um, Yeah, it's just kind of special, and I'm kind of used to the track, so I'm like, I can run my good races here because I I felt this track before. So, Jaslyn Gardner with us on BYU Sports Nation, straight out of Enterprise, Utah. What's the greatest thing about Enterprise, Utah? Um, for me, I just really like the small town feeling. It's really peaceful out there. I feel like we can just you have so much freedom out there. I don't know. It's just I really like it out there. Maybe one day they'll put home of Jaslyn Gardner. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Southwest have, corner of uh, Utah, yeah. Have you run that fast before? Was that your personal best? Yeah, I, just, I assume it was. It was my fastest. I dropped like three tenths of a second, and for the one hundred, that's like a big drop. Yeah, so six hundred. Huge. <laughs> I was really surprised, but I'm actually really happy because I that was my goal was to get eleven three my freshman year, even though it wasn't really that realistic. But that's, I was hoping that well, I would that's a get goal, it. Right? You, you yeah. just did yeah. it. You just did it. Yeah, I think yeah. Brian Logan has said on this it, it, on the show, if you get your goals, they weren't high enough, you know, yeah. which is kind of crazy and realistic at the same time. So you said that as a mark, and then you got it. So where do you go from here, I guess? Because you were kind of aiming to do this at some point, and here you are in year one. Um, I guess I could just keep striving to, like, get faster and see what my end result will be at the end of the season. Jaslyn Gardner of BYU track and field with us just set the 100 meter record, and and that's amazing. But then in the same meet, you run the third fastest time ever in the 200. Like what? How does that work? Are you the Michael Johnson, like the Carl Lewis, but a um, better singer? <laughs> no, well, like I kind of knew I was going to PR in the 200 too, because usually when I run a fast 100, then I feel really good at the for the 200. How? how uh long after you ran the 100 was the 200 the next day or later that it day? was an hour after an i hour. ran the 100 so you kind of used that momentum into the 200 yeah i didn't have to warm up again i was just i was feeling all dirty and just i still had that fire in me i guess yeah, that's a good <laughs> feeling when yeah. you're jittery you're like that's good yeah okay to me it's yeah. good Explode when out i'm of jittery the here that's bad <laughs> <laughs> and then you did the four by one as well right yeah and did your team win that event yeah and okay. we pr'd and qualified for regionals so it was a great day yeah, it was. Great couple days. Uh, so three, let's see, three PRs. Um, okay. And, good and good you, luck topping that in one individual <laughs> meet. And you do long jump as well, right? You won yeah. back-to-back state championships, I think. So yeah. What, what's your best event? Is it the 100? Yeah, the 100, I'd say, is my best event. Tom Homo came and found me during the BYU softball game right after it had happened. He's like, yo, 
You got to get Jaslyn Gardner on the show. Well, Tom, this this was for you then. Adam, Tom, she's Adam Enterprise. You, she you've got to get her on <laughs> the show. So the athletic director, he took notice. He he was super excited. So he he's the driving force behind this, Jaslyn. He's uh, he's excited to have you in the program. It also helped that you ran the fastest 100 in BYU history. <laughs> yeah, I... that was a minor reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, when, why did you end up picking BYU as your spot? You're from Utah, but did you grow up wanting to come to BYU? Um. Not at first, but then when I did more research on BYU and, like, the sports and athletics here, I was kind of like, well, they go to, like, all these big meets, and I really want to go to big track meets and get pushed by, like, the best in the nation because that would actually help me to PR and run better. So that's really what I wanted, and they offered me the best offer, and after a while I just really learned to, that I really liked it here. So, How do you say no? To a person like Dilji Taylor, right? <laughs> and Ed, I, and Ed Isom. Who's your sprint coach? Um, coach Stephanie Perkins. Stephanie, yeah, Stephanie Perkins. Perkins. She's awesome. She's awesome. Okay. Well, and what's next for you? What's the next meet? Um, you going to Stanford much, this week or waiting? Um, pretty much just regionals. Okay. But I might do a few events at our next home meet. The last chance meet? Yeah. Okay. That's okay. uh, May 9th through the 10th, so that's next week. Yeah. Okay, well, good luck. Must see track and field. Yeah. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for uh, <laughs> the approaching meet. Okay. And we would love for you, the new 100-meter record oh. holder, to sign our so Sailor awesome. Coop flag. Congratulations. Thanks, Jaslyn. And thanks Thank for coming you. in. Yeah. But 22-year record, and she's a freshman, just boom, gone. And then an hour later, third fastest 200 Beautiful. in BYU history. Love it. Go yeah. visit Enterprise. This is paid for by the Better Business Bureau of Enterprise. <laughs> Coming up, which former Cougar gets a rise and shout out for furniture on his chin? <laughs> You're not going to believe this. Plus, if Jasmine's not going there, who is going and where are they going from BYU track and field? Don't go anywhere. It's time to break more records. Shout out to today's guest, David Nixon, former NFL and BYU linebacker standout, and Jaslyn Gardner, who now holds the 100-meter yeah. record for BYU women's track at the 11.38 seconds. What a performance last week. Show's on demand via the podcast or the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. According to your boy, Ben Criddle of ESPN 960, Dylan Colley received a minicamp invite to the New Orleans Saints. If you're a former BYU player and you want to play in the NFL, apparently you go to the Saints. In his final game as a Cougar, Colley caught six passes for 124 yards and two touchdowns in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Golf. BYU men's golf has received an at-large bid to the NCAA championships as a sixth seed playing in Pullman, Washington, and that regional May 13th through the 15th. Baseball. With three West Coast Conference series to go, the Cougars are leading the league. That's on the line tonight at third place LMU. Listen to the game on BYU Radio at 9 Eastern. Softball. Lost to <clears throat> that other team last night, 11-2. to delay! Low-lighted by six errors in seven innings. Emily Erickson led the team with two hits and an RBI. The Cougars jump back into West Coast Conference play where it really matters at St. Mary's this weekend. Just ignore the present. <laughs> Athletics news. After the winter championship season, BYU is ranked 15th out of 263 Division I NCAA schools in the Learfield IMG College Directors Cup final winter stands. 15th is the highest of all non-Power 5 programs and higher than 60th ranked Utah. Calling the Big 12 and Bob Bowlesby. 
track and field. Heads to Stanford for the Peyton Jordan Invitational today. Jaslyn Gardner not competing there. She will perhaps run a few events in the last chance meet. Which is not a singles event. Every year I get confused. <laughs> Cougars in the minors. Colton Shaver went two for five for the high A Fayetteville Woodpeckers in a loss to the Lynchburg Hillcats. Minor league baseball is the best. I know. Shaver is hitting 343 the last 10 games. Brennan Lund, one for four with a sacrifice fly, and Taylor Cole got the win through two scoreless innings with two strikeouts for the AAA Salt Lake Bees of the L.A. Angels of Anaheim organization in a win over the Tacoma Rainiers last night. And speaking of baseball. Danny Ainge record watch. (laughs) There's a lot of hitting, like... <laughs> it's a lot of baseball. There's a lot of baseball going right on. Like, are there like 25 pitchers? What's going on right now? So Danny Ainge has the record for the youngest player to hit a homer in Blue Jays in history. Toronto okay. Blue Jays history. Vlad Guerrero Jr. 0 for 4 last night. So the record's still going. Same two teams tonight. Which brings us to today's rise and shoutouts. Yes. Mine goes to Danny Ainge at Celtics. Tweeted this out this morning. Danny Ainge suffered a mild heart attack in Milwaukee on Tuesday night. He received immediate immediate medical attention and is expected to make a full recovery. He will return to Boston shortly. Further updates will be provided uh, as appropriate. So our best wishes to Danny Ainge, oh, man. the GOAT in BYU basketball. Yeah, get better, Danny. Uh, great to hear that uh, you're expected to make a full recovery That's and that great. things are better. That is a That's very scary, scary situation. Right. Yeah. So uh, that is... That is uh, uh, good news to hear that he's doing better. Uh, my rise and shout out goes to our former BYU lineman friend, radio personality, Hans Olsen, <laughs> who tweeted out a throwback from ESPN the magazine. Which is going away. And tweeted, this picture was featured in ESPN the magazine 19 years ago. My clothes were on, still made a ton of money. <laughs> it's balancing furniture. Our elite tweet of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, celebrating 50 years at Willard. One, two, three on Twitter. The toughest game for the past decade has been Utah. Hashtag make me smile again. Sorry, Dennis Pitta. No time for you, bud. Yeah. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Locke Heimuli. We'll see you for BYU Baseball, or you can listen on BYU Radio at 9 Eastern tonight. Go Cougs. Can you balance furniture on your chin? Yeah.